back. Thank you for joining in again today. Uh, we're going to be talking today, uh, another episode with the Cancelled Preacher. So uh, let's get started. Well, it is good to have you listening along with us today. I hope that you're having a blessed day today. My name is Pastor Phil Hudson. We are glad that you're with us. So um, we were talking just a little bit ago about, uh, well, just talking about the podcast and uh, some of the things we've done. And uh, we've been we've been getting a little bit of feedback here and there from uh, certain folks. And, uh, of course, keep in mind you can reach out to us through our email address, thecancelpreacher at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. Um, actually, we haven't gotten a whole lot of emails. Um, and of course, we wouldn't mind hearing from you. We wouldn't mind getting more. But I have gotten some word of mouth, uh, you know, uh, feedback and things like that. And so I said, I would like to sit down and just talk about what, well, talk about what we have talked about. Because, you know what, and this, is, this happens when you preach as well. Um, questions come to my mind. Yes. And I think, you know, well, what about this? What about that? Um, and, and this happens to a lot of people. A lot of people will hear what you preach, and they'll come, and they'll, they'll ask you later, well, what about this? Sometimes you misspeak, uh, as everybody does. Yes. And you'll say the, you know, uh, I've exact done it. Exact opposite of what you opposite. mean to say. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so, um, and people will come and say, well, I didn't understand this. What about that? Uh, and then I'll, you know, after we record an episode, like last week we did. Um, on health. On health. And, and uh, talked about doctors. Should, should a Christian go to the doctor? Should a Christian go to the doctor? Right? Dep- that depends on your definition of doctor. Well, after we recorded, I, um, I'm thinking of all this stuff. You know, I'm thinking of what people have told me. I'm thinking of what, pe- what I've heard. And, um, and I'm just thinking of other things. that I, Oh, man, I wish I could have brought that up. I wish I could have asked you about that. And, of course, now, you know, they'll all escape my mind. But I do have a few things that uh, I want to talk about um, uh, regarding the, our past episodes. Sure. So um, one of which is this. Uh, there, is a, there is a belief or a teaching. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about revival in America. In fact, that has been, like, a, a real emphasis on a lot of your sermons ever since the, the, the pandemic, the pandemic started. And yes. uh, churches went into lockdown and started bowing the knee to uh, government. Um, and one verse that is almost universally quoted when it's, it comes to um, revival is Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Yes, right. Um, and there is this idea that that is misapplied to revival in America. I'm sure you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, well, stop trying to make that apply to. Uh, America, saying that it was about Israel um, and a nation who was at one time joined to God through a covenant, had forsaken God, and now that that nation had to return back to God to um, to have forgiveness, to have healing. It's not so much talking about a remnant of Christians within a corrupt nation getting right with God to affect the entire nation. Yes. Um, so... Uh, I have preached many a sermon and quoted that and used it in that way. I know you have. Uh, what's your answer to that? Well, I do think that the Bible is applicable because the New Testament says that the Old Testament was written for our admonition. And, uh, and so the Bible, all of it, Old Testament and New Testament, is certainly applicable. And so <clears throat> regarding revival, I would say a few things that God has put in our hands— um, the future of our nation. I'm talking about Christians. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And uh, also a little bit of salt 
can preserve a nation and we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so as long as Christians are living a godly and holy life, we can make a big difference. But the problem is that we're not making a difference for good in God. Blessed is the nation, is the nation, not just talking about any, uh, you know, the Jews, but blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So if we're going to make God our Lord. We're going to make the Bible our standard. God is going to bless us. And so I do believe it does apply. I know folks say all the Bible, it's not all written to us, but it's for us. And I guess there's some truth to that. And, uh, but I think that you can take that way too far and way out of context. Well, let me ask you this. Most Christians have not lived in a nation that started out as a godly nation and is now slipping into secular, humanistic, you know, Satanistic uh, uh, culture. Most have been born into like, well, it's like the first century church, you know, where the government was already built on false religion, false gods, you know, worshiping the Caesar. And did those Christians believe that if they got right with God, it would bring revival to the Roman Empire and somehow change it for good in that way? Well, I think the Roman Empire is just that. It's an empire. It's a conglomeration of nations taken over by one nation, and that's an empire. And so when God talks about blessing a nation, I mean, you can't say blessing an empire. And so um, maybe that would apply, um, but you, you certainly cannot make a direct application to an empire when it says nation. And, uh, and so as far as that's concerned, I would say, you know, that could be debatable. According to Romans chapter 1, the scriptures say that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. So there was a time when peoples, they knew God, but they would not glorify him as God and became vain in their imagination, and it snowballs from there to where we're at today. What we're seeing in America, you know, folks say history repeats itself, and it really does. We could see the same thing being played out in other nations and other times and other places, even if they, you know, had a different, um, you know, like the Jews were a theocracy, and then you have communism, and then you have democracy, and all of that, but people are people no matter where you go and what you do, you're going to find people are people pretty much anywhere. And one of the things that we do see throughout history is, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so when good people do nothing, then, and, uh, you know, moral people and um, they do nothing, then what's going to happen is the devil's crowd is going to get in and take control. That's what we see happening in America now. And I would say that was the same thing that happened in Russia back in the Bolshevik Revolution, began communism. And I would say it was the same thing that took place in France when France had their revolution, same thing in Spain and Germany with Hitler. I would say it's the same thing across the board. What is your opinion on the divine... Um you know, the divine nature of the rise of America. Yeah, um, I do believe that it was of God. Um, to me, there's no question that God preserved the Western Hemisphere, especially the United States of America, um, and, you know, even North America and the whole hemisphere. Um, but regarding America itself, there is no question in my mind that this was this was an act of God. And uh, I know folks will say, well, the first people that came over were Calvinist or Congregationalist. 
and uh, a lot of the founding fathers, they really didn't believe in God. But I think all of that is debatable. I, I think, what, 53 of the 56 signers all had seminary degrees. And, um, you know, yeah, they may have had different interpretations, but they were God-fearing people. And, um, of course, trying to escape the persecution and the darkness and just the sinfulness that was going on, especially in Europe in those days. There's no question in my mind that it was God that brought um, America into being. And um, we can see that in our history. And it was built upon the Bible, God-fearing men, built upon uh, churches and old-fashioned, you know, Bible preaching. No question in my mind about that. One of the reasons why I ask is because, and I don't know if you'll go along with me here or not, but I see a lot of, I I feel like there's um, so much parallels between the nation of Israel and America. Okay. Would you go there? Would you agree? You know, I haven't really thought about that before um, as far as the the context of where our conversation is, but um, I I can absolutely see where you're coming from. Well, the the nation of Israel, um, of course, um, God chose, God's chosen people, they brought them out of Egypt, and um, there at at Mount Sinai, they uh, they entered into a covenant relationship with God based upon their agreeing to um, follow the, the law, and, and then God would in turn bless them. And if they would fail to agree to follow the law, then God would not bless them. And then they started out so well, and then they began to, uh, they began to slide very quickly. Um, yes. And they, they went into sin. Uh, and um, I, I just see, you know, America is so unique in how it started like you were just saying, it started on such a firm biblical foundation. Yeah, instead of crossing the Red Sea, they crossed the uh, Atlantic yeah, Ocean. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and of course, I, like you said, the founding fathers, they're not saints. Nobody is, and neither was Moses. But um, there's just something unique. It's almost as if um, it's just another demonstration of God and his goodness and man's wickedness. You know, I, I, I definitely see that, you know, with the flood, that was a demonstration of man's wickedness and God's justice. I see the same thing. Then with the God's dealing with Israel, of course, from the beginning all the way up until the, to the very end of time. Uh, but that just highlights man's wickedness and God's justice. Man's depravity or sinfulness and... God's response. And God's love as well. And, but I see that also in America. Well, absolutely. I mean, would you agree or would... I, Am I taking that too far? I'm sure there's there's educated men that can definitely speak more into this, but I think you're definitely one of them as far as, you know, those similarities. And and thinking of that as far as what's in the, what's what's next for America. I mean, are are we going to fight so hard that we turn this thing back around because we have revival or is this destined to fall into wickedness because that's just the nature of the beast. That's just the way it goes. Well, I remember reading somewhere, somebody said, all democracies end up in socialism and then communism. And uh, I just have to take that person's word on it. But it just seems as if that is what we're seeing happen in Venezuela. That's what happened in Cuba and everywhere else. So I would tend to agree with that. Unless we fight for our freedoms and, and, um, um, and be zealous for the things of God and what's right, there is... No doubt that America is going to become just like China. And I believe more like China now than we've ever been. And COVID has proven that 
to me, and, you know, absolutely for sure. I mean, when the government can tell us all to lock down in our house for two, four, what, four weeks just to slow the curve and then build hospitals that never were used and closed hospitals that are already built and then have all of our leaders flip-flop on what works and what doesn't. If you get the shot, then you won't get COVID. That was all a lie. It seems like everything Fauci and everything Biden said was a lie. But we'll just believe it because we're sheeple. Basically, the broad way that is leading to destruction. Yeah. Well, we've got no foundation of truth. And uh, that's why we, we go so blindly along. And that's another thing that, but, that makes me wonder about revival in America. Uh, and I'm just being completely transparent. But a lot of people that are fighting for freedom are fighting from a, uh, a, a very ungodly position. Yes. I mean, I, a lot of these conservatives, they're, 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 not, they're, not, they're not holy, they're not moral. And, uh, you know, you've got the, this, this, this wing of the conservatives now that is uh, gay conservatives, you know, gay people that claim to be conservative. That's right. not helping. That's not helping get America to revival. Right. Just because you, that's a you double just, standard. Just because you vote Republican on, a, on a, an election, that's not helping the nation. And that's not going to bring revival. That's right. I, we, it, it, we need to have a moral society. We got to get back to the Bible, and I don't see that. I don't see that in the slightest. I don't either, really. But a lot of people will say, "Well, if Christians get right, America will get right." I don't know if I agree with that. I don't either. If you remember, several about a year and a half ago, I preached a sermon on political revival, and uh, that was, in fact, that was the title, if I'm not mistaken, "Political Revival," and it was a revival that began with the king and trickled down. And uh, I thought we were seeing the uh, the likes of that with Donald Trump. When he was making a, a harder, to, you know, to uh, commit abortion and um, so many other things. He was a very Christian-friendly president. Right. Whereas Barack Obama and Joe Demonic Biden, they hate Christians. Uh, there's no question in my mind about that. I, I, I'm happy to see some of the things that's taken place in the House. Um, um, McCarthy has surprised me some. So McCarthy is the... Um, new Speaker of the House. Yes. He's uh, third in line to the president. He's said to be the third most powerful person in the nation, I believe. Yes. Right? Um, so a lot, you know, just in case you weren't up on that, it was Nancy Pelosi when there was a Democratic majority in the House of Representatives. Now it's Kevin McCarthy. But I was, She put evil people in the worst, in the worst position, or the most powerful positions. And, uh, you know, so McCarthy's coming, he's saying, like, Elon, you're out. You know, Swalwell, you're out. Shift, you know, you're out. These people hate America, but Pelosi was a communist. She puts those people in to undermine the integrity of the American way of life. Yeah. Well, would you agree that our government is a reflection of the people? I, I do agree with that. Uh, yes. And so, and I just said, some people will claim if Christians get right, America will get right. And then we're kind of debating that idea a little bit. Maybe it would be better said if the people got right, the government would get fixed. Yeah, but I think Christianity, if we are the light of the world, um, we're going to have to make an influence on the lost. Otherwise, the queers and the trans, they're going to come out of the closet. They're going to push us in the closet because all they wanted in the 90s was to just be able to come out, you know, and not be persecuted. But you know what? The real persecution, um, like with trans and queer people, you know, they say, well, queer people and gays and homosexuals, they're, they're, you know, they're subject to so much violence. But it's queer on queer violence mm -hmm. is what it is. It's trans on trans violence is what it is. 
but they won't tell you that because they have an agenda. Yep. It's God that they're against. That's the problem right there. And everything that God is for, our government is basically against. And yes. everything that God is against, our government is basically for. And the Democrats are leading the charge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of rhinos as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to get a picture of, you know, what would revival in America look like? Well, I think it's. I think all revivals are grassroots revivals. Um, I think that um, people just get sick of something. And, you, okay, we can take it both ways. Let's just say, for example, um, if we take Russia back in the 19-teens and uh, when they became communist. Well, it was a grassroots, which you would say communist revival, if I can use that term, quote, unquote. Um, and so what it was is some people, they just got out and got a soapbox and they just started, you know, preaching their propaganda, preaching their communism ideas. And it began to catch on, especially when the people, they were looking for a change. I mean, they were hungry. They were without work um, and things of that nature. And they say, listen, anything has got to be better than what we've got right now. And I think that's what happened after um, Barack Obama was out of office. I mean, things were bad. And uh, folks are saying anything, Donald Trump, anything is better than what we got. That's why it always seems to swing back and forth, you know. Yeah. Um, um, you know, you got a Democrat president, normally two terms, and a Republican president, normally two terms, swings back and forth. You know, power kind of shifts back and forth. And, uh, and I would say the same thing takes place with a Christian revival. It's where people just say, you know, I've had enough. And um, people just, uh, they get tired of it, and they say, you know, I'm, I'm going to share my, my thinking, you know, with the people that I work with and change minds, you know? If, if that's true, um, to me, it seems like we are light years from that. Yes. Because Christians are way too comfortable. Yeah. No, nobody is tired of anything. Right. Nobody. Right. And, and here's what happens, that what our liberal left has done is they have equated, say, homosexuality as just a minority, like blacks and Hispanics. But that's not the same thing, you know. Um, and they'll say, well, you know, they're born that way. Um, even if they have, you know, transgender or homosexual tendencies, that doesn't mean that gives them the right to act upon it. You know, it was a crime years ago. It was a crime. Just like adultery was a crime. Just like adultery was a crime. And just because a person... You know, this guy may like his neighbor, cute blonde, right across the street. That doesn't give him the right to go over and commit adultery with her. Just right. like somebody who just feels like they have, you know, they feel like they deserve, you know, this new television at Walmart. Just because they feel they're entitled to it does not give them the right to go and steal from Walmart. And that entitlement mentality is what is really causing a lot of um God to withhold his blessing from our country. And I, I honestly believe, um, Jonathan, that it's, be, it, it's because Christians, they have caved to the, the science of today, and they're willing to compromise the word of God on the altar of science. And really, a lot of this goes back to the Scopes monkey trial. Really, what it, what it does when Clarence Darrow basically said, to William Jennings Bryan and to the jury back there, you know, in Tennessee trial back in the 1920s or whenever it was, you know, basically was saying, you know, you cannot take the Bible literally and threw out questions like, you know, where did Cain get his wife and stuff like that. 
And, um, and so what we have done is we have just simply said, well, that's true. The earth could not have been created in six literal days. So it doesn't mean what it says. It means something else. When we started going down there, that road, that was we lost the battle back then. And especially in education, I think it all began about that time with that monkey trial. I'll tell you one thing. And uh, when I came out of college, I had, uh, I had a choice to make. Was I going to start kind of going, uh, going left a little bit, leaning left a little bit? Or was I going to lean hard into independent fundamentalism? Um, and I'm so glad the Lord led me back here. When I was trying to work this out in my head, uh, and I was trying to figure out where I come down on this stuff, because it sneaks in so, so subtly. Like it I told sounds you, so compassionate. Like I've told you before, I've spouted this stupid lie before that, well, the Bible's not a science book. We have to take it as it's written. That's a lie. Well, I was was dealing with this, and I was, we, were, we were talking about this, about literal interpretation, and I brought up the, the, um, the question. I said, well, you know, you kind of have to take the Bible as it's, as it's written, not just as it's said. And I said, for example, you know, what about when Jesus said, I am the door? And, uh, you know, I loved your response. And to this day, it has, it has thrilled me to aspire to a faith like that, <laughs> where you said he was the door. He is the true door. That's All right. other doors are, just are a, a picture of yeah, the true door. That's it right. It blew my mind. The same thing with the lamp. You know, uh, you told me, uh, another guy kind of challenging you on this said, you know, when John said, here comes the lamb, of the, the lamb of God, how come a lamb didn't come walking out? And you said, a lamb did come walking out. That's right. He is the true lamb. That's right. All other lambs that we call lambs are a picture of the one true lamb. And even as I talk about it right now, it excites me. It, me too. Because once you just just dive into the Bible with complete abandonment, you know, just complete faith that that's the truth, no matter what I think. Amen. You know, oh, no. It, you know, it's all figurative. He's not. He wasn't really a lamb, so we have to, you know, realize it's not all literal. No, he was a lamb. Once you go down that route with just one verse, one jot, one tittle, then everything is open to question. How do you know that you have to be born again? How do you know that Jesus was virgin born? How do you know that he walked on water? How do you know that he died, was buried, and he rose again? How do you know that he's coming again? How do you know any yeah. of it is really true? And people will say it wasn't in the originals. Well, how do you know it wasn't in the originals? You've never seen any originals. What you're doing is questioning the power of God to preserve his word. And when, Yeah, exactly. And when you think on these terms as well, it, it, it clearly shows how true your statement was the other day when you said that stop, you know, questioning the Bible and its, literal, and its literal interpretation is the beginning of all liberalism. It is. That shows it right there. Because once you take that step, well, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't literal in this case, so it can't be, you know, maybe it's not literal in this case. That opens the door to all kinds of liberals. I actually heard somebody who's a minister and uh, trying to use the Bible to justify homosexuality. Um, and it was, it was that foundation right there, re-explaining everything. Oh, it didn't mean that. That was a different culture, different time, different context, or just changing everything based upon, uh, you know, it doesn't mean what it says. Right. And so what they're going to, they inevitably have to default back to away from the Bible and to science or to history or culture of that time. Yeah. Well, nobody knows what the culture of that time was, you know, and the same thing that they do. If they don't like what it says in in the plain reading of the scripture, boy, they run right back to the Greek as if they're Greek scholars. And then they take liberties with the Greek and then they go to the Hebrew 
there were not even any, and they, you know, they talk about Yahweh, you know. Um, every time I see that, and they always say Yahweh instead of the Lord, you know, um, you know, how do you know that's you, how you, they pronounced his right, name? You right. know, you have no idea. Right. And so what we're trying to make ourselves look smart, and really what we're doing is keep coming looking dumb, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the Bible says, by the foolishness of preaching, not by trying to impress people with our academic accolades, but just simply having simple childlike faith in the Word of God. And, I, brother, I pray that God would give me that childlike faith to just believe what God said. But it's not easy because people will come at you, and, and I, you know, I've, I've seen it, but they want, they'll come, come at you with all kinds of stuff from the Bible. So what about this? What about that? Why don't we do this anymore? What about this? That's absolutely right. Um, and I'm amazed, but you, every time it's just like the Bible's true. It, it just is what it says. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and apologize just because I don't do that or I haven't done that or I can't understand it. I'm not going to apologize or yeah. make exceptions for the Bible. I believe it was just a week or two ago I was teaching on uh, or preaching on biblical health. And, uh, and so I said, well, I'm a believer in what the Bible says, but I'm not a liver. You know, I, um, I, I hate to say it, you know, uh, but I, I, I like Mountain Dew and, and uh, you know, candy and things like that. And, uh, but what the what the Bible says is absolutely true from cover to cover. It was written for our benefit, you know, not necessarily for God's benefit in the context of what we're talking about right now. Um, God had our best interest at heart when he gave us the word of God. That's what the plan of salvation is all about. God wants to save us from our sin and to be reconciled to him. And so God says, here, I want to give you the answer book right here. See, the world gets all the problems. You know, we create all the problems. And God says the answer is here. It's in Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. Well, the, um, you know, and the literal interpretation of the Bible is like a, it's like a bedrock cornerstone of your, it seems like, of your ministry. I mean, and that really, I feel like it sets you apart in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, you know, you even said this. You said, I'm, I'm more than a literalist. What did you say? I'm a, a let- let- letterist. A letterist. That's right. Which basically means... See, a literalist means that you, you, you take the Bible literally, but a literalist says you apply it literally. And, uh, you know, a literalist can, can say, well, you know, I believe the Bible, is, it, was, it, it was literal in the way it was given, but it wasn't to be literally interpreted. Yeah. Well, I think it, it is and should be yeah. uh, literally interpreted. I mean, if, if you open up, if you just go down that path, then it's just a matter of time before we have a bunch of churches that are nothing more than lukewarm. And the, the, the power of the Word of God has just been pulled out from under us. Yes, yes. Well, if you are amening up to this point, that's good because it'll help you swallow a nice big square pill we've got coming for you in a couple of weeks. Um, and so we'll be talking from this, from this, from this basis of we're not going to sit here and make you know apologize for what the Bible says. I'm going to now. What you want to do is you want to listen um, to our sermon. You can get it on Facebook. I'm going to be preaching and showing that most Christians are practical atheists. In fact, I would ask a question. I'm going to begin the question with, "How can you believe the Word of God and say you're a Christian?" And then deny what the Bible has to say. I'm going to and, show and, this Sunday night that most people who say that they're Christians, and 
if you say you believe the Bible, if you say you're a Christian, that means you believe the Bible because Jesus is the word made flesh. If you say the Bible has errors, you're saying Jesus has errors. If you say the Bible has mistakes, you're saying that Jesus has mistakes. His name is called the word of God. And so if you, if you say that you've gotten saved and you're trusting in Christ, that means you're trusting and believing the Bible. But I'm going to show this Sunday night that most Christians are really practical atheists, and a lot of them are not even truly saved. It comes down not to so much how you behave. It comes down to how you live, because how you, uh, excuse me, how, how you believe, because what you believe is going to determine how you live. And I believe that a lot of people are living the way that they are. I'm talking about Christians living the way that they are because they believe, they don't believe what they say they believe. I'm talking about the Bible. So you want to listen this Sunday night. And I'm sure most people are saying, yeah, that's right. In fact, just like when you preached on health. Well, we'll see what uh, they say after Sunday night if they listen to it. It's just like when you preached on health, you start saying the word of God is true. It's reliable. It, it trumps everything else. And, amen, and everybody amen, says amen. amen until they get sick. And then instead of going to the preacher, what do they do? They run right to the doctor where God says, Asa, you're 39 years old. I'm going to kill you because you went to the doctors and rather than going to coming to me. And now, uh, and, and maybe we could even think about doing this. You know, we can we can um, put we can put maybe an extra episode out on this platform as well, just of of that sermon, maybe before we discuss it. But um uh, Lord willing, that'll be this this next Sunday. But it just ba- it it grows from a uh, you know let, let's let God be true and every man a liar. I believe that's true. I believe every man, if God is true, that makes every man. Every and as far as I'm concerned, the Bible was written in such a way as to show who is truly saved and who is not. Yeah. Um, God wrote it so that it must be received by faith. And I promise you, a lot of preachers. They, they, they don't believe the Bible. I'm talking about independent, fundamental Baptist preachers. They are Bible deniers. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And all they're doing, they might not come out. And one reason is because they won't deal with the tough subjects. They'll just, every, everything, they're, they're going to preach the gospel to a church full of Christians every single week. They will not deal with the tough issues because of the backlash. Well, I don't care. I, it doesn't matter to me if the church just simply says, we're done with you. We can't take any more of this literal interpretation. That's fine. I'm gone because I'm not going to compromise for a job. I, That's you know. good. I mean, what kind of a man would you be? If, I can't if, believe so many preachers actually take a paycheck and preach from a book they don't even believe. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, we're looking forward to next week then. Make sure you tune in. Uh, and uh, you'll be want, you'll, you'll want to hear what we have to talk about next week. Also, reach out to us if you have any, uh, any questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we appreciate you listening each week. And uh, take care.